Ilford South. A Labour win. Sir Neil Thorne is defeated there. A 17% swing. He held it before. Mike Gapes takes it for Labour. But it tells us that story that we think about, think about Oasis. Yeah, absolutely. Not, not, so it's always really I mean, yeah, there's definitely enough of a back catalogue now for the um, the show to have sort of developed its own kind of internal logic. I mean, you can see that in other podcasts as well. I mean, like Real Politic is a really good example of that. Like they've sort of just developed this sort of range of like kind of fairly strange in-jokes that mostly come out of like baiting centrists on Twitter that you kind of have to follow the show quite closely now to sort of understand like, well, not closely, but like, you have to come in at a certain point to understand why they're always going on about Mike Gates, for example, like the Labour MP for Ilford, who did this bizarre speech about milk, which, um, if, if you've seen it, it's a weird response to Brexit, where he's just going on about milk in Parliament and where it comes from and what happens to it. Um, but it's sort of, it's delivered with the sort of passion and intensity of like Jimmy Stewart at the end of Mr. Smith goes to Washington. It's really, really strange. Um, and, you know, it's become one of their many in-jokes. So... Do we have any yeah. jokes? I don't think we have any in-jokes. I mean, I don't know if we have any jokes at all, really. Opposing the government and opposing the conservatives, I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to sideline moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about... That is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent whatsoever. Who are the hard left, Mike? Well, we know who the hard left are. They're in the, you know, ascendancy within the Labour Party who associate with the Hard left. We don't understand that. You just said we were too right wing. Hey, hard left agenda. Printing money. Nationalisation without compensation. That sort of hard left wing position. Hard left, just the hard left. Hard, 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 hard left. Hard left, just left. Hard, hard, hard left, left, left. Hard, hard left, left. Hard, hard. Because you have the milk. Let's look at some of the books that fucking Ian Dale's written. The Blog Father, <laughs> the Dictionary of Conservative Quotations, <laughs> the NHS, things that need to be said. <laughs> what fucking privatise it? Is that what needs to be said from this fucking dickhead? That is probably what needs to be said in his opinion, yeah. Right, so, no, that's on the right. I'm so confused about how he's done this. I'll link you to the 2017 one as well, which was published on the prestigious journal Ian Dale's website. And you'll see what I mean about how Corbyn and Sadiq Khan are both at number one, which is a bit odd. I mean, I guess Sadiq Khan is actually in office, but... So Jeremy Corbyn and Sadiq Khan are joint number one then? Yeah, well, Corbyn is like number one in bold. And then Sadiq Khan is num- is just number one normal under him. I just had a look at his description of Seamus, and it's Seamus Milne's grip on power around the leader has grown hugely in the last 12 months. <laughs> Mike Gabe's voice. Seamus Milne. Mr. Seamus Milne. 
His grip on Pat is increasing by the day as he orchestrates his troll attacks on WhatsApp. <laughs> well, actually, that was one of my favourite things about our Rocky Four commentary, where I added in the Mike Gapes clips into all the bits of silence. <laughs> um, I edited an interview he did where he was talking about being attacked by Russian troll factories, um, <laughs> so that it sounded like he was saying that Seamus Milne was orchestrating the troll factories. <laughs> I'm very active on Twitter. I do get trolled. Um, I've just changed my Twitter settings a, a, a week ago um, so that I, I now don't see most of this abuse. A lot of it is manufactured by Seamus Milne's troll factories. These aren't real people. Seamus Milne seemed to imply that uh, this wasn't done by the Russians. It could have been done by someone else. Our new official political campaign from Real Politics is to get Gapes elected as leader. You know, we... Wholeheartedly yeah, support, yeah, you know. We turned our back on the left, on Corbyn. We've left the left. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing but disappointment to us, but only the milky content of Gapesy can bring us back and re-enlighten us in our politics. <laughs> exactly, and he liked our Gapes for Leader tweet we did the <laughs> other day, didn't he? So. Does he think we're genuine, or does he... Like, I have no he, idea. Or, reckon, somebody said know. to me that generally the jokers run its course when they start to find it funny, but I have a slightly different perspective. What I think is that we've found perfect middle ground with our Mike Gapes jokes, where we've effectively neutralised him as a serious political operator by taking the piss out of him so relentlessly. At the same time, the manner in which we take the piss out of him is not abusive. It's <laughs> it's just going milk, milk. Yeah, exactly. Repeating what he's saying, you know. We're yeah. not, we're not trying to dilute his ultimate message. We're, we're not trying to dilute yeah. the milk. <laughs> we're, we're not trying to mix know. it together with whiskey. <laughs> we don't want to homogenise the. You know, well, homogenise is where you you get the purest form of milk, isn't it? Are you looking it up now? Are you looking up some milk I'm facts? I, I, yeah, I'm trying to get my. You know, I don't want to get my milk terms incorrect here. I, I don't want to be a milk. purveyor of fake news here. You know. <laughs> did you like that okay. tweet that I did on the real? politic account where it was like a, a new song by this band called angelic milk and then it, it, it showed their name it was like angelic milk and then a picture of gates smiling <laughs> looking really happy and then a bit from lower down in the article like the russian band and then gates like gritting his teeth waving his fist around looking really angry with his like really red face and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. milk a bit off topic, but have you heard the whole story about this band called, was it Threaten? Threaten. Yes. Threaten. Yes, please they, threaten, come what, on real politic. Threaten, come on real politic. Using fake news to, <laughs> to get people to come into your gigs and stuff. Hilarious. It's so he basically, so the guy who the, he hired touring members for the different European and North American legs of this tour that no one was going to come along to. Mm. They paid people to like their social media stuff. You know, we wouldn't do that. Um, but we, <laughs> no. You know, we, oh, we, but we, actually, we... I did notice that our preview of our premium episode that we released yesterday had three likes from bot accounts. I didn't pay oh. for them, but they they they, yeah. uh, they volunteered their services pro bono. You know, <laughs> fair play. Altruistic um, bots. <laughs> Friend, come on, real politics. Um, uh, by the way, on December the 5th, it's the first anniversary of Gapes' milk speech. Which one? 
The first one. <laughs> the, the, first, the iconic one. The first one is the only one in which he actually mentions milk, Tom. The rest of them you edited to <laughs> include stuff about milk. <laughs> the German milk industry. <laughs> this is what this is what uh, uh, insomnia and watching Mike Gapes videos does and having late nights watching these videos. All the kind of videos merge into one where he ends up saying, that's the thing now, you don't know which ones are the real Gapes videos. Or oh, which, mate, um, I'm going completely insane from the gape stuff like i have a zoo and then my mind is just filled with milk or, or just mr. gapes speaker. mr speaker and no i just have the thought turning around and round in my head but it's so funny whenever there's an article written about him which is like mr gapes as if this is just like a normal thing for a person to be called rather than the <laughs> single funniest name ever like mike gapes if not a porn star stage name is definitely an act that Gigi Allen used to do on stage at his gigs. So I just have Mr. Gapes going around in my head just over and over again. The gaping annals of his politics exposed. (laughs) Does Mike gape? That's the question. Or I have, uh, mm. when you gape, but she keeps sucking, oh, stuck God. in my head. We stand by the advice that you shouldn't search milk gapes on oh, Twitter. Oh, Jesus no. Christ, don't do it. We made that mistake. We <laughs> <laughs> were like, oh, what? Let's type in, let's go find the video. We typed in milk gapes and we found it. And then there was other stuff. It's all just like hot sluts gaping porn with milk. Like, it's pretty <laughs> dodgy stuff, I've got to be honest. It's milk in assholes, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's milk in gaping assholes. I'm, I'm not going to describe it any more than that. Because it is pretty... I don't want to give you a, a... Like, that's that's all the mental image you're going to get of it. It um... scarred me for life. And it's all because of Mike Gapes. Well, friend anyway. of the show, Fred Banks recently linked me to a pornographic film called Hard Brexit. And... Oh, this is the one that, yeah, I, th- I think I've heard of this. Vice did like an ironic article, like I watched the Brexit porn parody oh, and now I've, I'm changed and I'm crying in a shower. <laughs> oh god, well, well if Vice some, have already some... covered it, there's no point doing it on the show. Like, <laughs> we've, we've, we've got to seek out our own ground. But no, I'd be very disappointed if Gates isn't a character in Hard Brexit pouring milk into people's assholes and so on. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> or just oh, lying there with his asshole wide open. No. <laughs> Pour no, it in no, there, no, Tim Farron, no. just 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 sticking, uh, just, just uh, putting a, a, a tube in there. Oh man, that's <laughs> and, too and much blowing, information. Blowing the milk down into the tube from from oh, that he's got stored stored oh, up in I his cheeks. Oh man, you got to stop actually. <laughs> This is imagery I don't need right now. And this is what you get, folks, on Patreon. If you pay $5 or more a month, you get graphic imagery of... Brexit porn parodies involving milk and gaping assholes. Our next bit of exclusive Patreon content will just be a gape porn video. (laughs) Our next commentary track, just watching. (laughs) (laughs) Watching me like heaving in the background, and you just like milk. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, but yeah, and and then you're just like yeah, 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 and you just hear like (laughs) in the. Yo, yo, guys, give me a second. Oh, uh, anyway, so threaten, threaten, yeah. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>
Don't make me threaten you to move this topic on away from graphic imagery. Anyway, threaten. Threaten. Come on, real uh, politics. Come on, real politics. You well, he hasn't really fooled anyone because no one turned up to the gigs. No. <laughs> Would really been like, wasn't there like a story involving like you know Mike Peters of the Alarm? Mike. Have you ever heard of, have you ever heard of Mike Peters? <laughs> oh fucking hell. Milk. You ever heard of Mike Peters? No. Oh, well, he's a guitarist, musician, who was the lead singer of this 80s band called The Alarm. That's not my kind of music, but I think a guy made into a film. He tricked, like, several music producers into releasing a track from, like... So, basically, they hired younger musicians to be this fake band, and then they played his music that he made. Okay. Because he couldn't get any, like, deals or anything. Something, something like that. It got made into a film called Vinyl, I think it was, that was very loosely based off that whole story. Look it up. It's, it it kind of made the news. I don't know the exact details on it, but that's something along those lines. He did this great tweet because he was quite silent for a while. Oh, now he's got, like, 5,000 Twitter followers. Which is actually isn't that many, because a lot of them are probably the bots that he's paid for. Others are probably people whose curiosity has been piqued by his massive scam. But he tweeted... Oh, you talk about threaten. Okay. Threaten, yeah. What is fake news? <laughs> I, I turned an empty room... Well, we'll tell you, threaten. He says, I turned an empty room into an international headline. If you are reading this... You are part of the illusion. Ooh. Oh, 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 then the tweet gets better. Hashtag marketing. Hashtag psychology. Hashtag social media. Hashtag fake news. Hashtag threaten. Hashtag breaking the world. Hashtag music industry. Then he adds a series of people in. At NBC News. At BBC News, at Joe Rogan, <laughs> at Rolling Stone, and at Billboard. I noticed Jesus there is that he's not added Metal Sucks, who uh, did all the articles exposing him. <laughs> there were there fake news in his opinion? False news, but I think you'll False find. news, false news. I'm sorry, but Fretin is now bad, because I've just seen a picture of him promoting him coming to England, saying, Tell England I'm coming! Get your tickets now, I'll see you there! And the picture is of him with the Union Jack holding it up, sprawled behind him. I'm sorry to inform you that Fretin is now bad. Threaten is no longer woke. He is no longer. You don't get to support the Union Jack. Apart from Noel Gallagher, he's got impeccable political credentials. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of threaten, I got a UKIP poster through the door today. I'll explain how this is related to threaten in a minute. It's not just the Union Jack. Did you order this through? How on on earth did you get (laughs) Well, they know I've got my uh, uncompromising anti-EU beliefs. You're joining Sargon of Akkad and Milo and all them. (laughs) You're joining the big guns. You know, guys, I'm just another, you know, hot up-and-coming thinkfluencer who is (laughs) plugged into the social media mainframe. You've already got your map of the world from the 1800s ready to put behind you on a wall to record <laughs> your videos and go on rants and stuff, yeah. Yeah, so among other things, it includes a column written by a cat which quotes Alexander Solzhenitsyn's Nobel Prize for Literature Acceptance speech. Yes, it's called the Cat <laughs> Column. Okay. Just an update, since we recorded this, my dad threw my UKIP poster on the fire. 
so much for the tolerance centre. However, mostly what drew my attention was that UKIP's slogan is more popular than you think. And I, I was thinking that Threaten should have adopted the slogan less popular than you think. So that when yeah. nobody turned up to the venues and the band and the promoters, uh, venue owners got all pissed off, then they could have said, well, we tried to warn you. <laughs> what I do love about the footage that has come out of those gigs is that the only people you can see in the footage is the photographer that's been hired to photograph it and make it seem as if it's like a big gig and stuff. Oh, it's even better than that, I think. It's trick, thre it's threatens it's threatens wife. <laughs> She's the person who's there at the front filming them while literally nobody else is there. It's fucking great. I'm really intrigued by the whole situation. <laughs> it's it's just the elaborate... I mean, most people would have accepted they're never going to make it in music, but to put on a whole charade like this, using trick photography and paying off people and getting loads of bots to promote your stuff that's never going <laughs> to succeed. Just the commitment, I mean... Russia! Yeah, like, when, yeah, exactly. When more details come out from it, it's going to be a fascinating, <laughs> when, fascinating uh, tale. When Carol Cadwallader and James Patrick expose the Russian involvement behind Threaten's sinister ploy. <laughs> Direct from Russia. <laughs> Threatening. All right, Gapesy, just going to test you. First off, which country represents the number one threat to global security and this film is set in it? Russia. Spot on. Secondly, when's my birthday? On the 20th of July. Got it in one. So why are we here today, Jack? We uh... are here today to do a track-by-track -track review of the last Threatened release. No, <laughs> we're, we're here to discuss Ian Dale's top 100 most influential left-wingers 2013 list. Yes, yes. Yes. And this was, of course, prior to the general election and prior to a big shift in the left particularly the British left, and so it's interesting to go through this list and see some of the names that appear quite high up, mm. but who are now, post-2017, have become completely and utterly irrelevant. And it's, yeah. It's, it's quite astonishing. Some of these names, I don't think you should really be shocked by, because that was sort of the state of the kind of mainstream British left at the no. time, and how some of these really people with awful leftist politics were being pushed to the forefront to try and peddle and push the left view in British politics. But it's going to be intriguing. We'll go through. So. What I think we should do is we should skim through, you know, the 100 to 51, yeah, and then we can do a more in-depth run-through of the last 50. Obviously not everybody on the list. And maybe one day we'll go through the most influential Lib Dems. Oh, God, I, there, isn't, <laughs> there isn't an influential Lib Dems list. It's, it's a contradiction in terms. In the list for the Lib Dems, do they count the deceased as well, or is it just those who are living? Because <laughs> most of them are just going to be back from like the 1800s and stuff of when the Liberals actually used to get governments in power and stuff. Like... <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, the no, Lib Dems. Sony was good. To be <laughs> fair, the Lib Dems' current leader is a dead man. So... <laughs> it's like those people in the US who are dead, but they still get elected to places. Oh, the pimp. Like... <laughs> <laughs> the dead pimp. Who <laughs> won? That's how right-wing they are in some of those places, that they would rather vote for a dead p 
pimp Republican candidate than the Democrat. Yeah. You're losing to a dead pimp. That's how bad the Democratic candidate is in that particular <laughs> county. Or There were like smaller positions, weren't they, in terms of the US government. But yeah. Whatever. We, we don't, we're not, we're not going to go into the intrinsic. Oh, yeah, uh, man. I just did an episode on fucking US politics. <laughs> it's pretty, oh. yeah. I can imagine it's pretty depressing. But, I hate um, it. it. Yeah. It's, at least with British politics, there's somewhat of a glimmer at the end of the tunnel that we're trying to slowly sludge our way through to mm. but with american politics it's just one long extended nightmare really <laughs> it's never seemingly gonna come to a halt so the 2013 list by in dale for the top 100 most influential left wingers so who's at number one jack who's at number one? Oh, well that would be the then leader of the labor party mr ed Miliband. yes i guess that's the sort of common sense choice really what's he wrote for ed here let's have a look there's no doubt about it ed Miliband has had a good year we can't say the same for this year 2013 has been a terrible Oh, right, so that was the previous year he said that. 2013 has been a terrible year for Ed Miliband. His poll lead has more than halved, and he's failed to make any progress in announcing any meaningful new policies. So, not really a glowing notice for number one on the list, is there? No, yeah. no. What would you expect from Ian Dell? You know, yeah. a former Conservative candidate, you know, he's not really going to give many of the people on this list much credence. But he also mentions in it that the Tories are dubbing him Kinnock Mark II. <laughs> Which is damning. I mean, if that you is, come... That's brutal, that is. Yeah. The man is Neil Kinnock. The woman and his wife, Glenys. They walk to the sea, and Neil falls. You compare that to what Ian Dale wrote about Jeremy Corbyn in 2017. Even though the Labour Party lost the election, somehow it didn't feel like it. Corbyn's tenuous hold on the leadership solidified overnight, and the party now feels he has earned the right to fight the next election on his own terms. His increased power was exemplified by the fact that he didn't need to bring any, bar one, Owen Smith, of his old adversaries back into the Shadow Cabinet. And uh, <laughs> that didn't last very long either. So, uh, so yeah, Ed Miliband not in a good position on this list. But I actually think we should go backwards. Have you got a hundred to fifty-one? Aha! Here we go. I think we should go right back to a hundred, skim through these, and then go slightly more in depth on the top fifty. This list includes some people who are not doing much anymore. For instance, the then deputy Galloway. Yep, Galloway is on there. The last time he was an elected MP, thankfully not anymore. And also the former leader of Galloway's respect party, Salma Yakub. And in fact, there's a few former leaders who Ian Dale kind of all, all women, <laughs> in fact, who Ian Dale kind of tokenistically stuck at right at the end of the list. So you've got Natalie Bennett, who was then the leader of the Green yeah, Party. Yeah, uh, you've Wood got as well. Leanne Wood, who again is no longer, but was then the leader of Plaid Cymru. And yeah, he's just stuck these three female party leaders right at the end of the list, like ah, like just like an afterthought. <laughs> so Salma Yakub, for instance, although to be there she had left respect by that point she comes behind ken loach who appears to be on the list because he made the spirit of 45 that which is a an effective piece of agitprop but a, a, a whitewashing exercise for, yes for the alley government absolutely i think we've spoken about spirit of 45 before insert what episode that is here and go back and listen to it and you yeah have views on the spirit of 45 as uh, you say a very very effective piece of agitprop but not really read the ministry of nostalgia by owen halfley yes yes definitely 
Now, I would say that in the long term, the most significant figure in the bottom 10 of this list is at 95, a new entry, Lord Collins, the former General Secretary of the Labour Party. Now, <coughs> Lord Collins, as it says in this piece, was appointed to head a major review into the Labour Party's historic links with the unions and its fundraising, which, of course, happened as a result of the Falkirk selection row in which a right-wing hysteria was drummed up because Unite rightfully tried to get a candidate, the very good left-winger Kerry Murphy, who now runs Corbyn's office, selected. And Lord Collins's review ended up resulting in the implementation of a one-member, one-vote system in the Labour Party by which Jeremy Corbyn was elected leader with 59.5%. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Collins. Thank you, Lord Collins. Does he appear on the 2017 list? No, I don't even need to check. Lord Collins... Who the fuck is Lord Collins? Literally all I know about him is that he helped Corbyn get elected. <laughs> he and Dale brandishes him as the man culpable for... <laughs> <laughs> Lord Collins and Eric Joyce were the guys who put Corbyn where he is today. <laughs> Eric Joyce, in fact, a mutual of real politic. He follows us, we follow him. Oh, do we? Yeah, I love Eric Joyce's bio on Twitter because it's like some good moments, some not so good. It's like, I agree, good moments like when he punched all those Tories and Blairites, not so good moments like his entire political career. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear me. The whole thing happened because I'd been drinking and was being quite fighty, which is not unique in my own personal history. So do you get quite fighty, as you put it, quite often? No, not really often, but, you know, on occasion. Why do you think it is that you seem to have been unable to refrain from punching people on numerous occasions? I think there's a natural truculence I've never dealt with. It seems to me in society at large it's okay, by and large, behaviourally, to you know, damage people's careers. And, but when it comes to a bit of physical contact, then that's, that's a dreadful thing that's more shocking than anything people can imagine. I think other people, you know, perhaps more working class people, you know, in parts of cities and towns across the country would see things quite differently. So maybe that's a question of how mores uh, are, you know, set by the middle classes who generally shy away from physical stuff. So in a way you're saying that you defend occasionally punching people? I think there is room for a bit of consensual uh, low-level violence. I think if a couple of guys want to have a fight outside a pub and they do it behind the pub and nobody else is there and nobody's getting seriously injured then I really don't think that's a matter for the police to get terribly involved. People can have consensual sadomasochistic sex and that, that's allowed. Um, so it seems to me it broadly fits into the same bracket. Right, let's keep going down. Who else we got? <laughs> David Aronovich at 86. The maddest, <laughs> drunkest man online. <laughs> Drunker and madder online than fucking Francis Barber. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, maybe not that drunk. Potentially hey, on a man, par in man, terms of when fury. When the wine hits you that much, <laughs> <laughs> just mainlining wine into her veins, just like she's got it on a fucking drip. <laughs> Owen, I once respected you, but you have been infiltrated by that Matt Zarb cousin. <laughs> Aronovich is similar to that. He's just got a fucking stout being pumped into him in a fucking catheter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord. And two places above Aronovich is, of course, Mandy! <laughs> Nicholas <Manson>. Cage. <laughs> Affectionately known as Mandy, this year he makes a return to the list, bucking the trend of the cull of the Blairs rights. Well, 
<laughs> that soon uh, turned a little bit. But um, uh, Lord Manderson has become some of whom lefties don't speak in polite society. Indeed, they regard him as a figure on the right. Oh, they regard him as a figure on the right. Oh, I guess that's just a perception, Ben. With no, you know, just pure. He might actually be on the left. Who knows? <laughs> He's regarded. <laughs> Hell. Mandy is said to be quietly working behind the scenes, having secret meetings with members of the Shadow Cabinet. Yeah, Again, this is why he's called the Prince of Darkness because he's literally yeah. wherever he gets his influence in, he'll fuck it up. You know, he's all, all, like organizing backroom meetings and stuff. Yeah, you know? I think the guy above him is an interesting choice because I presume Robert Philpot. It's not really a name you hear around. I've got absolutely no idea who he is, as you'd kind of expect from a Blairite. But he appears to be Richard Angel's predecessor at Progress. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, and before him, at 82, Andrew Murray, Chief of Staff at Unite, who is, of course, still Chief of Staff at Unite, and in the last couple of years has joined the Labour Party. Doesn't mention anything about his long-time membership of the Communist Party here. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Mark Ferguson, the editor of the Labour List at 81, is praised for his borough organising in Islington in which he helped increase both Emily Thornberry and Jeremy Corbyn's majorities. There you go. <laughs> oh, and above Mark Ferguson is Laurie Penny, and above Laurie Penny is a new entry on <laughs> the list. <laughs> the Member of Parliament for Rochdale, <laughs> Simon Dangzuk. Yes! Dan Chuck. How many Dan Dans Chuck. can a Dan Chuck chuck? That is the question that we're still answering. He, he angered many in the... This is what the actor says. He angered many in the Labour Party this year. Well, he's always been angering people yeah. in the Labour Party when he's a member. By comparing the militant left within his own party with that of the British National Party. What militant left? This was 2013. Oh, I guess Owen Jones. He, he went head-to-head with Owen Jones in the media, warning against far-left socialism. This is, and this it's is a, ironic coming from someone like Dangshuk who literally peddles the rhetoric of the BMP. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. He's a, he, yeah, he's a horrible, like, xenophobic piece of shit. And, of course, uh, got suspended from the Labour Party. In fact, for sexting a 17-year-old, I believe. Fucking hell, danger. And then, of course, come the 2017 election, he stood as an independent and got, like, was it 500 or so votes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, God, you got Chris Bryant, Russia, next. David Miliband at 76, minus 47. (laughs) So he obviously, I guess in 2012, they were still like, oh, maybe he'll come back. Maybe David Miliband will only be away for a little bit and he'll he'll come back (laughs) and save us. And then by 2013, they were probably just like, he's not coming back, is he? Yeah. Oh, Bob Crow's on the list at 72. Oh, cool. Uh, Dan Jarvis uh, at 75. <laughs> Liz Kendall at 74. Dan Jarvis, of course, the figure that is headed up by the very lucrative and successful Twitter campaign, Dan Jarvis for Labour leader. Yes, uh, well, Jarvis... Sorry, the joint campaign, the joint campaign, because it's it's to get Dan Jarvis elected as Labour leader and to free Marine A. Yeah, It was, it was although... a very ambitious project. Yeah, you're right, very ambitious. Although now that Marine A has been freed from prison... <laughs> God, it's just Fuck unbelievable you. that's happened. But yeah. now that Marine Fuck A is, is a free man, it's more focused on advancing him position within society you can you you can you can shoot an unarmed man dead in a foreign country and you can be released without any repercussions you know look tom tom i'm gonna say this to you as a mate okay but shuffle off this mortal coil you cunt 
Oh god, that was the last. That's what he said to him, wasn't yeah. it? Supposedly, yeah. Yeah, that's what he told the guy he murdered. This is what the army does to people, folks. It turns you into a fucking bloodthirsty, borderline fascist. Yeah, the army's bad. Army's bad, folks. As you can imagine, we did not celebrate Remembrance Day. No, no, because <laughs> there's nothing to fucking celebrate about. I was celebrating the deaths of the troops. No, I, I wasn't. And I, yeah, I think it's quite grotesque because there's absolutely nothing to celebrate about something like World War One, where people didn't sign up because they wanted to stick a bayonet in someone. They were conscripted you... and sent out yeah. by an uncaring ruling elite to go and give their lives for absolutely fuck all. So there was only one occasion on any of the mainstream media when I saw anyone on any of the panels that were brought together to talk about remembering the war that actually spoke about how it was nationalism that fueled the conflict or spoke about it in terms of how it really fucked up the course of history yeah and it should not have been fought there was hardly any of that in any of the coverage of it hey man well you know at, at least rosa luxemburg's communist revolution in germany was averted you know otherwise things could have gone really tits up over there in germany uh... <laughs> Exactly. I did actually see that take from some tosser recently due to the socialism or barbarism discussion. Oh, really? <laughs> and again, we've got to give credit to our mate George Eaton, where uh, everyone else in the mainstream media is just like slagging off Rosa Luxemburg. And he, you know, goes and does a little bit of research and writes up an article about her and puts it in the mainstream centre-left publication and people who wouldn't otherwise read it. Really good. Overton window shifting. Fair play. Exactly, exactly. Bain's address outside Blackgate Prison could, I think, provide the template for Corbyn's address outside number 10. Yes. You know, the police will survive as they learn to serve true justice, which I think actually inspired Labour's 2017 manifesto policy of 10,000 more police officers. Diane Abbott, yeah. possibly a Dark Knight Rises Yeah, police, police will survive, spoils will be shared, the decadent yeah. will be ripped from their comfortable nests. I think that, that's the there's a template for, for the next Labour manifesto there. But number 69, unless there's someone above. Oh, I was going to say, at 71, you have Jack Straw's pathetic fail son. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Will 420 blaze it straw, the man who lost the EU referendum and got a CBE for it. <laughs> it's like one of the most pathetic, centrist, apparatchik products of nepotism in the world. I mean, I don't blame him for being a pathetic melt, considering what is dad did to him for having a spliff so i do kind of feel sorry for him actually because his dad is one of the worst people in the entire world on the other hand i i hate him <laughs> hate his guts I hate his fucking guts got nandy there lisa nandy yeah who, who are you 69... gonna say 60... yeah i was gonna say i was gonna say number 69 uh, lisa nandy is a new entry as the shadow children's minister who was the ia's mp no she wasn't um no he was red car's mp anna turley Oh, right, okay, cool. I'm no fan of Lisa Nandy, but she is better than Anna Turley, who is a Lisa proper Nandy reactionary. Is, isn't Lisa Nandy the MP who keeps being pushed forward as being this socialist where she really isn't? Yeah, she's nominally soft left. But, I mean, you know, she got a start as PPS for Tessa Jowell, and as far as I can see, doesn't seem to be particularly left-wing. I mean, she literally ran Owen Smith's campaign in 2016. I'm not a fan of her, really, but no, she is better than Anna Turley. 
oh god, a 66, quote-unquote, feminist activist, Caroline Criado Perez. Who was the editor of The Canary, is it? Or she, she, oh, she's you're thinking with... of Kerry-Anne Mendoza. Caroline no, Criado no, no, Perez no. Is, is an anti-trans extremist. Oh my god, really? Yeah, she appears on this list because of her oh. campaign to reverse the decision of the Bank of England to change Elizabeth Fry to Winston Churchill in the £5 note. Which has ever, you know, liberal feminist priorities. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, fucking hell. Yeah, and then, yeah, she basically got it so that they did some tenors with Jane Austen on them. That's that sorted, makes up and for that her. Gives, that gives her a pass to shit on members of the trans community. Yeah, so, it does know. mention here during the campaign she received a lot of online abuse, particularly on Twitter, but it, it doesn't mention the abuse that she meets out to vulnerable minorities. So let's move on anyway. You've got Tessa Jowell on there, who of course has died now. She was seen at one point as a shoe-in for Labour's mayoral candidate in 2015 but she lost out to Sadiq Khan. And then, of course, she got ill and probably would have died in office anyway. But that's interesting because Tessa Jowell, I'm not going to shit on the dead in this case, but she was a pretty uh, pretty hardline Blairite. So it's just interesting that this was still at a point when people thought, oh, it's natural that somebody with those kind of politics would get Labour's mayoral nomination. Whereas in 2015, mm. by the time Corbyn's insurgency happened, that seemed a very remote possibility and Sadiq Khan pitched very much to the left in his campaign in Labour's primary yeah have you seen who's at number 59 jumping up 35 places who is it have a look back in 1997 Chris Leslie was first Leslie was first selected aged 24 to the constituency of Shipley making him the baby of the house oh you know what we can put a clip in there he was later defeated in 2005 by right wing Tory Philip Davis oh god the worst misogynist in parliament (laughs) Um, Disso showed me a clip from 1997 from the election coverage of Christopher Leslie and his constituency and sign of the times, the young Labour gun who routed a Tory grandee. I think I'll have to buy a newspaper and, you know, see what, whether the, when state opening of Parliament is, I'll just buy a train ticket and off, off I'll go. Welcome back. The reversal of political fortunes last night was typified nowhere better than in Shipley near Bradford in West Yorkshire. There, the veteran Sir Marcus Fox, chairman of the Conservative Backbench Committee, was defending a 12,000 majority over Labour. He lost to a 24-year-old who said he'd have to buy a newspaper to find out when he had to go to Parliament. Norman Rees reports. Christopher Leslie spent most of today trying to explain how a Labour candidate barely out of school so comprehensively beat a Tory grandee. People saw a contrast between, you know, same old Tories and, and new young Labour. Leslie, Christopher Michael, 22,000. It's weird because in government he obviously completely lost whatever Nottingham accent he had when he was younger because he's still got that kind of uh, knots lilt to his voice when he talks in that. I'm afraid it's the hard left. And then he literally sounds like David Cameron now. (laughs) This is what Westminster does to people, folks. Yeah. Can you imagine what happened to us with our voices if we were down there too long? Oh my god, I'd just be speaking. Hello! Yeah, so I'm Jack Frayne Reed. Note the double barreled name. And this is my assistant, Thomas John Foster. We're going to, yeah. 
so yeah, Chris Leslie didn't go on... Oh yeah, shit, this was when the Shadow Cabinet was still elected. I thank God that doesn't happen now. I wouldn't fucking trust the PLP to, you know, elect fucking one of them to get the other's biscuits or something. He didn't get enough votes to get elected to the Shadow Cabinet, but was later made Financial Secretary to the Treasury. So there you go, Christopher Leslie lagging behind. But hey, hey. Defeated by his own words in the end after yeah. an appearance on The One Show. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, hey, you know, this is 2013, two years after this, only two years till the hard left leadership of Ed Miliband is done with once and for all, and the real grown-ups in the room can take over the Labour Party, like Chris Leslie, and manage things competently, fairly, right-wingly, and Leslie will be sure to be Shadow Chancellor, if not Chancellor, in a national unity government. Right? Right? <laughs> it played out well, didn't it? Yeah, again, Nicola Sturgeon. I guess she was Deputy First Minister at this point, but it does kind of make sense. She's only at 57. She's quite an influential figure. And, you know, women in positions of leadership are not getting really a very good run on this list so far. Yes, definitely. Number 55, someone who's really fallen out of favour with a lot of people. Tatchell. On the British. Yeah, fucking Peter Tatchell. He's gone off the boil, man. Like, he used to be such a genuinely admirable figure in the 1980s, and he's just lost it. He always does that thing if he, like, talks about, like, homophobia in the black community and then just tags in, like, Diane Abbott and Stormzy oh, and stuff. Why? He's so, why? He's so fucking shit. Why uh, would you do that? He did that why thing. You, like, he's, like, demanding them to explain themselves. Like, Cor- oh, Corbyn God, did a speech would... about civil rights, and Peter Tatchell. Yeah, he ambushed Corbyn. And said some shit complaining that he wasn't bombing Syria. And, and Paul yeah. Corbyn's just there like, oh god, Peter, you've fallen far. He's <laughs> thinking in his head like, Peter, what are you doing there? Yeah. This whole story of him trying to get a nomination. Was he elected as the candidate? No, he was that? not. He lost he, he... to, uh, I think, the Lib Dems got it. No, the Lib Dems didn't exist. The Bermondsey by-election was actually won by Simon Hughes, the SDP candidate. Oh, Simon Hughes. Oh, continue to be an MP under the Lib Dems for many years and he ran an awful appalling homophobic campaign and then when he ran for the Lib Dem leadership in 2006 it turned out that he had his own skeletons in the closet so to speak much to the consternation of his supporter Tim Farron. Um... Wait, Tim, what are you doing? What do you think I'm doing? I'm ordering a state-of-the-art water purity test kit off the internet. This is red alert. Cold red. Simon had let me down. He hadn't been honest with me. And what's more, he hadn't been honest with God. I made a vow never to go anywhere near the water in any Lib Dem-owned buildings ever again. From here on out, it was milk, milk and only milk for me. Although I'd mix it up and substitute half of a pint of whole milk for semi-skim to keep a level head. The national labour, or real labour, or true labour, whatever it was called, you know, the splitter candidate, 
took a lot of the Labour vote. Yeah, so it, it was a, you know, a sorry episode in British politics. Something I've heard, actually, was that Michael Foote, who refused to defend Tatchell from the onslaught of homophobic abuse during his by-election in Bermondsey, mm-hmm. took his anti-Tatchell position as a result of getting him confused with the militant tendency figure Peter Taff and was too embarrassed to admit that he'd made this mistake. (laughs) Now, I don't want to absolve Michael Foote of his best inaction during a rotten homophobic campaign, but that is quite funny. (laughs) If true, if true, it is quite funny. Right, should we move on to the top 50? Oh, interesting, uh, Lutfu Rahman, the mayor of Tower Hamlets at that point, appears here, who was a kind of uh, a bete noir of the sensible centre. I think because he's a Muslim and they accused him of corruption and stuff like that. I don't know too much about that situation. Ian Dale writes here for his section, he says that he's regarded with huge suspicion by the leadership who regard him as an extremist. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what's the whole scenario there with that whole scenario, but okay. Yeah. So should we move on to the next page then? And number 49... I believe will be of interest to you. (laughs) (laughs) One of the new voices emerging within the Labour Party. I have a big mug for my brew. (laughs) I'd normally have it in a mug, not one of these posh cups. (laughs) Although he openly jokes, he is the less famous Owen in Labour circles. Owen (laughs) Smith is one of the most talented of their media performers. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I'd, I'd, I'd get round the table with ISIS, or uh, what, what else has he said in the media? It was his appearances in the media during that leadership challenge that he he completely destroyed any chance he had of becoming the new leader of the Labour Party. I'm glad you think I'm normal. I am normal. <laughs> I'm married. I've got a kid. Uh, what else did he say? Uh, what we, he's, what he's, we need to do, we need to keep austerity. <laughs> <laughs> when he we accidentally just a, we just need a 500 billion pound uh, was it 500 million or 500 billion pound reinvestment package no 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 gonna... he suggested 200 billion and then oh. John McDonnell was like shove this 500 million up your ass <laughs> billion rather <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't he also on a debate with other Welsh political leaders? With Leanne Wood. Yes. What did he say to Leanne Wood? Uh, He was saying, oh, you're always on here, aren't you? And she was like, oh, well, you know, I'm leader of my party. And he was like, well, you know, I think you being a woman might have something to do with it. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Have some questions, Nope. I keep putting you on instead. Yeah. I think with party balance, there'd be um, other people they'd be putting on instead of you, wouldn't it, rather than me? <laughs> okay. I think it helps. I think your gender helps as well. Yeah. How did he get this reputation for being a talented media performer when he just completely shows himself every opportunity <laughs> he, as being a sexist? Yeah, he just turns up, he's like, uh, excuse me, but have you considered men's rights oh god <laughs> i beat off all the men in my village to get to my wife <laughs> he clearly has a great political career ahead of him says Dale. i think owen probably took that to heart <laughs> right at 48 uh... ian dale finally gives a woman who is a national party leader some credit and caroline lucas appears on the list 
Oh, but she was actually at this point former leader of the Green Party, so she gets more credit than the incumbent ones. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see who else. Maria Eagle. It's a blast from the past. Lord Sainsbury. <laughs> who helped keep progress afloat, was he? Reactionary politics. Our job is never done. Yeah, he helps fund yeah. a number of think tanks, including Progress, Policy Network and the Institute of Government, to name but a few. This year, he upset the Labour leadership when he called Ed Miliband average in comparison to Blair and Thatcher. That's so funny. Do you reckon it was Lord Sainsbury who donated that 20 quid to us on Patreon under the name Paul Dacre? (laughs) (laughs) You know, he said he was going to stop funding progress, but I think he took pity on them and he sent them a little bit of cash to keep them going because nobody else was fucking going to. He's like, that Richard Angel, he's completely failing, but he's bloody works hard. I guess. Rhyme a check. Rhyme a check. <laughs> At 44. Oh, I, I, I didn't know we had someone who donated 20 quid to our patron who's called themselves Paul Dacre. Yep. <laughs> Imagine if it was the real Paul Dacre. If it was, he, he feels bad now. He's seen our uncompromising pro Brexit stance and he's like, you know what? At least uh, these, these guys. These boys aren't as bad as I thought they were. <laughs> these boys aren't, aren't fucking melt cunts like Geordie Grieg. <laughs> To garner support, I canvassed the Lib Dem grassroots and held summits with influential figures in the British press. Mr. Farron, Mr. Dacre will see you now. Oh, crumbs! Oh, oh, Mr. Dacre, it is a pleasure to meet you. meeting went well. Oh, somebody come quick! Mr. Dacre just shat himself to death while his brain exploded! No, no, wait, that's just tomorrow's mail. At 44, you've got Rosie Winterton, Labour's former chief whip, who was sacked by Jeremy Corbyn for too much straight-talking honest politics, by which I mean functioning as a whip for Corbyn's internal opponents to whip dissent within the party. Oh my god, and the really creepy bit is that Ian Dale describes her as small, but perfectly formed. <laughs> what? what the fuck? To be fair, I mean, I, I, I'd i say like that sounds like he's been checking her out. I think Ian Dale is gay, but like, that's a really weird comment. Well, is this on... Let me look. Rosie Winterton. Oh, okay... <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. Anyway, number uh, 43, Auntie Diane. Diane. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Labour MP for Hackney. And of course, they have to fucking mention Michael Portillo because they have nothing better to do. 
because Diane Abbott's now become amongst these people known as being part of the act with Michael Portillo on the Daily Politics. When on that was this week, the... I think you mean. Oh, this week. Whatever, that fucking show that's like hosted by the, the Gremlin... Uh... Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the uh, you, you know the, the Gremlin. The argument for just shutting down the fucking BBC, Andrew Neil. Yeah, yeah, um, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I gotta say, if Corbynism does end at some point, it would be a tragedy. But this week should be mildly more watchable if Diane Abbott returns to his sofas, because now it just always seems to be some totally irrelevant Blairite cunt. <laughs> well, I think we pretty much summed up the kind of atmosphere that lingers around that show and the shows that are hosted by Andrew Neil with our Pink Room video. Oh, God, yeah. Let's just go back to Lord Sainsbury for a second. He apparently wrote a book called Progressive Capitalism, which has been well-reviewed by those on the left and the right. Really, was it? Did those on the left positively review Progressive Capitalism by Lord Sainsbury? (laughs) (laughs) The man who thought that Ed Miliband pales next to Margaret Thatcher. (laughs) Have you seen who's a number 41? Who now does interviews with complete and utter reactionaries on GQ? An hour 40 long interview, I believe. (laughs) With with the man who only eats meat because... The lobster bellend, yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you've got Helen Lewis here. Have you seen the clips from that video where Helen Lewis is interviewing him and he's just like, no... Mate, I, I only eat a completely beef diet. He's just so like just him eat. and Tom Watson. <laughs> I have not watched a single second of that interview, and nothing will persuade me to. We well, can either watch it on the official GQ YouTube channel or the multiple re-uploads of it, where obviously someone from the right have uploaded it under the title "Watch Jordan Peterson Destroy Feminist." <laughs> Cock feminazi Helen Lewis triggered by refutation. They wouldn't say refutation. By destruction of political correctness in front of her eyes. It's like, she doesn't like political correctness. All those articles. All those videos where it's just watch Jordan Pearson destroy feminist mind hive. Like, just. That's so ridiculous tiles. It says, witty, geeky, and incisive. What's there not to like about Helen Lewis? I don't know, the transphobic articles. Uh, yeah, let, let, let's not even get started on that. Let's move on to somebody else. Caitlin Moran at 39. Again, let's just move right past her. Whoa, okay, who else have we got here? Torsten got Hendrickson Bell. Head, head of Ed Miliband's office. Nope, okay. double-barreled name. <laughs> the thing about Labour in that era, it's all just the middle-class falafel-munching Islington elite, you know? Something that definitely hasn't permeated the real politics staff. Absolutely not. (laughs) Salt of the earth. At 36, there's an interesting entry. Take a look. (laughs) 35 even more so. 36, Angela Eagle. Ah, yes. The leadership challenge that lasted at all but one meeting. (laughs) Slowly working her way up the greasy pole. It's just a shame she tried to push herself that bit further up the greasy pole in 2016 and just slid right down to the bottom. <laughs> but look at 30, 35. 35 is key faz. Okay? Look, look, nobody fixes washing machines in Westminster like key faz. 
<laughs> what do we need to say about Vaz? Just a fucking wrong a long history of sycophancy, of... I don't even know what I can say without potentially libeling Keith Vaz. A bad guy, really somebody attempting to climb up the greasy pole for the entirety of his career. Interestingly, a former... he's an MP in Leicester, isn't he? He is, uh, yeah. Le- he was part of the... Was it the 83 intake alongside Abbott and 87. So, yeah, Abbott, Vaz, Bernie Grant and Paul Boateng were all elected in 87. And Vaz at that point was actually on the left of the party. He was a member of the campaign group, but he left the campaign group, I think, in the late 80s or early 90s. So since then, it's been a long fucking, you know, a long history of uh, greasy pole climbing and uh, and washing machine fixing. (laughs) Is he still elected, Keith? Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, 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 he didn't. He didn't get suspended, or did he? Nah, he, he didn't like... get suspended or anything. <laughs> Wasn't he investigated for something, or suspended for breaking parliamentary rules, well, or something? He not had too longer. a scandal a couple of years ago where he was sleeping male with a male prostitute. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if what he was accused of, well, seemed to do, was necessarily a suspendable offence. To be fair, but yeah, he uh, he is just generally not a great guy. Yeah. Uh, and also some allegations of bullying as well. Bullying. So, yeah. yeah, just not 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 a particularly and nice more. individual on that front. We will we'll always have. <laughs> what what's the phrase? <laughs> we'll always have uh, England. No, we'll always have Paris. <laughs> what, what is it? Oh, fuck. I forgot. Hold me like you did on Naboo. <laughs> <laughs> There's only a few select real politic listeners who I think will get that. So fair yeah. play if you do. Hold me, Annie. Hold me, Keith. Hold me like you did on Naboo. <laughs> <laughs> so what oh. we have got is at 31, another former leadership candidate, Mary Cree, a solid oh. media performer who dropped out of the 2015 race about after about two minutes when she realised that every other candidate was a Blairite, completely indistinguishable from her. <laughs> We've also got Caroline Flint at number 30, jumping up 15 places from the previous year's list. And the last sentence of the Caroline Flint entry is fucking timeless. She is one of the few people who realise if Labour are to get back in power, they need to win back over the south of England. Next she is bit. The crea- she, she is the creator of Aldi Woman. Yeah. <laughs> she is the creator of Aldi Woman. Oh, yes. That instantly recognisable political concept that is not at all a hacky and contrived attempt to slot voters with concrete material interests into consumer categories. <laughs> that just shows you where we're at. The left are, like, sitting around coming up with concepts like Aldi Woman. Oh, here. Yeah. Of course, you've got another Lord of Darkness. 29. Yeah, I mean, probably less effective than Mandelson, who, for all his appalling ideology, is nonetheless a formidable political operator, or was at one point. Maybe not anymore. But yes, what what we've got here... uh, Earlier on, I made a mistake. I said that Tessa Jowell was widely tipped at this point as Labour's candidate for the 2016 London mayoral election. According to Ian Dale, actually, Andrew Adonis was widely tipped to be Labour's 2016 candidate for London Mayor. Oh, God. Fucking Adonis, man. Could you imagine that? No! (laughs) No, he's such a uniquely unappealing figure. It makes perfect sense that he has never held elected office, and I never expect him to in his life, so... (laughs) Number 27 dropping down 20 places from the top 10 is the MP for West Bromwich East and labelled as Rupert Murdoch's most hated MP. 
maybe at one time but not, not so much now yeah it is of course Tom Watson Watson came a long way because in 2017 he was at number six only having dropped one place from the previous year although the description of him is quite damning some argued for Tom Watson to drop much further in this list he tried to get rid of Corbin, but failed. And it says by failed. There's a lot of typos in these lists, by the way. And now seems a somewhat diminished and somewhat anonymous figure. <laughs> Just bricking himself that Len McCluskey is going to abseil for his window and shank him. However, <laughs> however, he has tentacles which reach into all parts of the party and remains an ultimate fixer. God, don't, I don't want to know about Tom Watson's tentacles, him sitting in his secret locked drench wank bunker at the bottom of the oh, ocean, God. his tentacles <laughs> flailing around. God, <laughs> Tom Watson, Tom, Tom Watson, you're the bomb. Tom Watson, clear out the cranks, Tom, for your service. And then at number 25, we have Ian McNichol, uh, the, the General Secretary of the Labour Party. R.I.P. Defected to Hezbollah. <laughs> <laughs> Dear me, he dropped 11 places. Who else have we got? Bob Roberts, the 1990s mockumentary by Tim Robbins. 10. As we slowly steam to the top, were you saying? Oh, minus 20, John Crudders. Oh, he was at number three at one point. Oh, wow. Yeah, let's not slag him off because I'm mates with his son. Uh, <laughs> 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 21 Sadiq Khan Ah Staying in the same position He was from the list The year before I'm guessing Because it has it's Yeah not, not showing He's facing a strong opponent In Justice Secretary Chris Grayling Apparently At this point Had yet to land Any real blows On the government However Dale does correctly speculate that maybe his future lies in the London mayoralty and not the Commons <laughs> Then you've got at number 20 You've got Stuart Wood Lord Wood Lord Wood. Lord Wood. Bring forth the Lord Wood. <laughs> Lord Wood. Whenever Andrew Adonis sees an EU flag, he turns into Lord Wood. <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> Have you read the description? One of the last sentences. He tweeted recently someone in his office had put his phone in a bag of Watsons to spot his cheese allergy. <laughs> Maybe he hasn't got as many friend as his thinks. <laughs> I love all the typos in this. As many oh. friend as his thinks. <laughs> and at number uh, 19, dropping six places, is the quote-unquote undisputed queen of the Guardianistas, Polly Toynbee. Uh, her right... Her... I, I'm not saying that. That's uh, that's uh, the, <laughs> that's the Dale's uh, writing. Of, yeah. Uh, wow, that was a time when people who wrote for the Guardian were, <laughs> were considered that left-wing that they were considered Guardianistas. Yeah, her column wow. is a must-read for all self-respecting lefties, I'm told. Briefly returning to Lord Wood. First of all, I think that the Bag of Watsits quote is great. But secondly, I think it just shows the complete and utter abject shite that Ed Miliband was surrounded by just you know lords blairites spads yeah. completely like, tedious and unoriginal thinkers oh 18 yeah. minus three jim murphy of course who had the tragic dismissal following the 2015 general election wasn't it well dismissal by his voters yeah he yeah, wasn't dismissed by he... his voters and he lost his sort seat. of yeah yeah oh, he spoke out bravely criticizing the unite union <laughs> 
for bullying during the Falkirk selection route. Of course, that's so brave to peddle a smear that was comprehensively disproved in all subsequent investigations. (laughs) I love how the sentence for number 17 starts with, Time has been good to Alistair Darling. (laughs) Has it? Yeah. What's his politics, really? His eyebrows just keep getting more and more stately, more (laughs) statesman-like. It says, three and a half years on from the last election, he is seen as an economic sage who advocated the right policy. What what, what policy was this, Ian? Uh, Darling was one of the first in the Labour Party to recognise that cuts needed to be made and has not stopped calling for them ever since. Ah, yes! The right policy. <laughs> cuts. Oh, dearie me. God, he, um, war- he warned George Osborne against doing too much quantitative easing. There are quiet mutterings in the Labour Party that he could replace Balls as Shadow Chancellor. Fucking hell! Darling launched the Scottish Unionist campaign Better Together guaranteeing him a high profile in the run-up to the referendum. Yeah, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> a high profile. <laughs> I don't know if there's anyone before number 14 you want to talk about, but I just want to say, jumping up 16 places to number 14 <laughs> is, of course, Michael Duggar. Yeah, let's move straight on to Duggar. So, what is the curry meister, the man who sings teenage kicks like no other? <laughs> What is he saying? He's, a, he's an, an, accom- an An accomplished media strategist and performer, Duggar is seen as Miliband's attack dog, who can be rather robust at times. Yeah, really? I mean, he was kind of Corbyn's attack dog as well, except he was the dog that attacked Corbyn. Yeah, he was like a dog with rabies. You just didn't yeah. know what he was going to do next. Like, yeah. <laughs> off the chain, just biting everyone. That is very funny that Michael Duggar was at one point considered the 14th most influential person on the left. It's just great. He's I... not even in Parliament anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now works for UK Music, is it? Yeah, yeah. So he, he yeah runs a lobbying group for Dad Rock or something. <laughs> and then you've got Stella Creasy, whose name is misspelt on both the instances it appears in. <laughs> oh, There's multiple getting the names wrong here. I don't want to be a punctuation zealot. But, <laughs> but the Telegraph copy editors could have given this a better look, I, I, I'd say. Uh, There's probably more probably more typos here than there are on the 2017 one, which appears on the prestigious journal of record (laughs) iandale.com. So at number 12, you've got another person who has, in Ian Dale's words, risen extraordinarily up the greasy pole, reminiscent of Margaret Thatcher in her voice and media training, Rachel Reeves who jumped up 15 places from the year before and is described as being yeah, reminiscent of Margaret Thatcher. She has had voice and media training. Brilliant. God, I mean, I, I just think the comparison to Thatcher regarding Rachel Reeves is great. Kind of agree with it. But yeah. just going back to Jim Murphy, the other thing is that he bravely stood up to unite in the Falkirk selection row. So another one whose actions indirectly resulted in the election of Jeremy Corbyn as Labour leader. <laughs> <laughs> right. Who we got at number 11? Oh my god, we've got Margaret Hodge. She's made more <laughs> comebacks than Lazarus. Which I think is, is pretty fair. Like, she's been disgraced and vanished so many times and always managed to come back. The highest ranked backbencher on the list. The bruiser and, herself, Margaret yeah, Thatcher. I, 
I think this is because of her work as public accounts committee having a go at tax avoiders. Okay. Yeah, Margaret Hodge was seen as the enforcer, <laughs> wasn't she, before this re-emergence on the list when she was in Parliament. At number 10, you've got the man who I once accidentally called the Black Barack Obama. <laughs> well, of course, I meant the British Barack Obama, which is what he changed his own Wikipedia page to say. Chukaramuna. <laughs> it even says it here in the actual write-up for him. Even yep. in Dale's included. Yeah. One How fr- did they work? Don't know, did they see the IP address yeah, came from Parliament? Would have been the IP. <laughs> it was someone in Chuka's office. To add further to his woes, old social media posts were found written by him complaining of the trash and wannabes in London clubs. Ian Dale doesn't mention that that was on some like exclusive social media site for rich people. <laughs> Amuna can perform well under the pressure of Andrew Neil at the Beeb or Cable in the comments, but he can fall into the trap of taking himself too seriously, despite a winsome smile. <laughs> what? Chucker, we're still waiting on the centrist party, mate. Yeah, yeah, where is it, mate? Where is it, Chucker? When's it, when's it coming out? Chucker, where is it? An- an- Chucker, announce centrist party. Announce the <laughs> release date now. <laughs> At number nine, you've got, um, you know, another potential shoe-in for the leadership of the Labour Party. Somebody whose brand has apparently been strengthened as of 2013, who has a growing group of supporters among MPs, one Michael Duggar, for instance, and is on good terms with the unions, or was at this point before he refused to take their money. Andy Burnham! (laughs) If 2015 does not go to plan, we could see Burnham stand again for the leadership. Well, another good prediction from Ian Dale. Later becoming the mayor of Greater Manchester, was it? Or just Manchester? After leaving Parliament, because he wasn't having very much fun. Good old Hillsborough, I agree there. I mean, what can we say about Andy Burnham, really? I mean, it's just, it's funny to see him so high on the list. Ed Miliband's chief speechwriter, who I've never heard of. Oh, here we go, number seven. Jumping up 21 places. If Owen Jones were a singer, he'd be Martin McClutchin. <laughs> Warbling, this is my moment. <laughs> who the fuck is what? Martin McClutchin? McCutcheon. McCutcheon. He is ubiquitous and the go-to left-wing commentator for any radio producer suffering a hangover who can't be more original. Jesus Christ! Yeah, that's a bit mean, but I mean, I... He is pretty ubiquitous. He is a leading light in the People's Assembly movement, but what is his long-term goal? Where does he see himself in ten years' time? Frankly, we haven't a clue. But he gets more media than the whole Labour front bench put together, so he must be doing something right. Yeah, there's definitely no sour grapes being written. Sour gapes. Sour gapes being written. Yeah, uh, have you noticed that as well? This list is fundamentally not credible because it lacks a real big beast of the Labour movement. I'm guessing as we go into the top five, slowly but surely, if he hasn't already come up, Big Gapes is not going to make an appearance. Gapes at number two after Ed Miliband. (laughs) Well, after that glowing write-up he had in the Times article that we spoke about, surely he might appear in the mid-90s come the next uh, top 100 list. uh, Yeah, let's hope his admirer Danny Finkelstein writes the left power list 2018. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, at seven, you've got Owen Jones. I think that yeah, Ian Dale is being uncharitable to Owen here. Where does Owen see himself in 10 years' time? I mean, obviously his project has always been about moving Labour to the left and establishing a stronghold for the left within the Labour Party, which at that time may have seemed like a fool's errand, but it's always been very clear that that was what he was attempting to do. So I don't think that's fair 
but Dale is correct to recognise his influence. At number six, you've got Alex Salmond. His ability to shake off a scandal is reminiscent of Teflon Tony. Not anymore. <laughs> yes, a danger. Yeah, Moving the, on. the disgraced Alex Salmon. Moving on, a n- friend of the show, number five, <laughs> Yvette Cooper. Smile, Yvette, smile. If Ed Miliband falls on his face, Yvette Cooper is in prime position to take over, but she suffers from appearing to lack a sense of humour, and being so on message, it almost hurts. There's no doubting her intellect, and she has it in her to be a complete politician. What does that she mean? needs to emerge from a. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's This is written by a Tory, so he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> she needs to emerge from a shadow of her husband's giant balls. <laughs> so, what, what a ridiculous line. She needs to emerge from her husband's shadow. Yeah, that's bullshit. I mean, she'd what been a, a front, front bench figure for so long by this Still point. Right uh, at, I mean, yeah, don't share her politics at all, but why no, write that? No, and, 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 and you know, I don't think she's completely devoid of a sense of humour, like when she took the piss out of Ed Balls on his shitty America documentary. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I don't think she's very high up in 2017. Let me take a look. Oh, she's at 24 in 2017 because she is chair of the select committee, so she hasn't completely vanished from the scene. Number yeah. four, <clears throat> however, somebody who Andy Burnham still says treated him very unfairly in 2015. I would say she treated people on welfare more unfairly than Andy Burnham, who should have just resigned if he disagreed with what she was proposing. Harriet Harman, then yes, Deputy at the time, Leader the of Labour. Le- yeah. yep. And Shadow Secretary of State for Culture, Media and Sport. So exactly the position that Tom Watson now occupies now, he holds both of those positions. Who we got at number three? Len. Big Len. Big Len McCluskey. Oh, hang on, let's just go back to Harmon. Interestingly, we say that Tom Watson is in both her positions now. Well, apparently, during the Miliband era, some of her campaigning duties were taken away from her and given to Tom Watson. Tom Watson, you're the bomb. So at that point, you know, maybe he was eyeing the deputy leadership. Oh, okay. She has become a great survivor in British politics, and if Labour win the next election, she will play a big part in that government. Well, I mean... That that worked out, didn't it? Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure she would have had a lot of excellent cuts to contribute (laughs) to that government. And, yeah, number three, we've got Len. Let's see uh, what kind of red-baiting nonsense Ian Dale says about him. The recent candidate selection scandal demonstrate to many that Unite, to many, as in to Ian Dale, that Unite exerts undue influence in too many areas of the party. Yeah, God forbid the Labour <laughs> movement attempts to get pro-Labour movement candidates selected. Number two, friend of the show. Balls. Balls. Ed, Ed Ball. <laughs> the Guardian disclosed that the speech had not been written by Gordon Brown at all. But by a 27-year-old choral singing researcher named Ed Ball. So there you have it, the final proof. Labour's brand new shining modernist's economic dream. But it wasn't Brown's, it was Ball's. <laughs> the next 12 months are crucial for Ed Ball's. They certainly fucking <laughs> <laughs> He's destined to plummet to mid-table mediocrity next year. 
like his beloved <laughs> Norwich City. Oh, <laughs> authenticratic football analogy. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he fucking uh, was thrown out of the league altogether, wasn't he? <laughs> do, you, do you know who supports Norwich City, Jack? Who? Tories. Oh, okay, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I don't know, I just get the impression that Norwich City is a pretty Tory club. Right, Sorry yeah. to any like RP oh, well. fans who support Norwich, but <laughs> I have the same sentiments about both Norwich and Aston Villa. They're both Tory clubs. No comment. What about the Hammers? <laughs> what about what about what about Gapes's team? Who does Gapes support? The Hammers. Uh, West, oh, Ham. West Ham. Uh, I wouldn't say they're that Tory. Gapesy is a confirmed hammer. Is he? Yeah, a hammer of the <laughs> left, yeah. Oh dear, yeah, hell yes, yeah, okay. Uh, I don't think West Ham are that Tory. Okay, fair enough. And then it is mixed together with whiskey and it comes out as... Well, we appear to have come full circle in our list anyway. We've come to number one, Ed Miliband, leader of the Labour Party. Son of a great man. Absolutely. So very, very quickly, in the top 10 for 2017, it's Jeremy Corbyn, Sadiq Khan, John McDonnell, Seamus Milne, Kerry Murphy. Seamus Milne. Milne. So you, you heard about the Falkirk selection row in various entries of the 2013 list. Well, the person who Unite tried to get selected is now the fourth most influential person on the left. So <laughs> up yours, you union bashing Blairite cunts. Uh, then you got Nicola Sturgeon, Tom Watson, Andrew Murray. Again, like shooting right up the list. He's often accused of being a Stalinist, but this character trait served him well in running a well-oiled election machine. Exactly. Owen Jones at number eight. You can't keep Owen Jones down for long and he rises in this year's list. He's by far the most influential left of centre commentator. Then Andrew Fisher and then Len McCluskey. So that's the top ten. So it's pretty much all the hard left with a couple of exceptions like Sadiq Khan, Nicola Sturgeon, Tom Watson in the top ten. Then as it goes on you get Emily Thornberry, Diane Abbott and you know the, the other people you would kind of expect. See who's right at the end of the list. New Stormzy grime artist. <laughs> oh nice. my god, this is cringeworthy. Corbs's favourite grime artist. His support for the Labour leader helps him get down with the kids. Oh no, really? Oh, Ugh. get fucked. <laughs> Shut up, you Dale. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Shut the oh. fuck up. <laughs> Shut up with you, stupid cunt. <laughs> oh my god, Hilary Ben actually is still in the list. Is he? Yeah, Matt Ford's on two places to 38. What? Oh, well, I guess he'd already been Bend last year, so... It... <laughs> yeah, he, he'd already probably dropped down the list quite a lot. And he is another select committee chair. <laughs> so shut your fucking stupid mouths. Chatting bare fucking shit. Shut the fuck up. Shut your fucking mouth. Hey, Rubai, shut up. One time, yeah? Chatting bare fucking shit. Shut up, man. Pussies, what? Let's wrap up then. Well, comrades, that was Ian Dale's 2013 left power list. Uh, yes. You know, featuring such big beasts of the left as Alistair Darling, Jim Murphy, <laughs> Stuart Wood, and, and, and the pack of Watsits, <laughs> Lord Adonis, <laughs> Caroline Flint, Keith Baz. Oh my god, I missed this actually, what Ian Dale says about Keith Vaz. Commentators have pointed out that he sometimes does more for Labour on home affairs than the Shadow Home Secretary Yvette Cooper. <laughs> so he's just god. like, fuck off Yvette, I'm a Vaz guy myself. <laughs> <laughs> 
car well, and off. One thing I will say like about that. this list is it's a fascinating little time capsule. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And thank God we've moved on from there. Yeah. This is yeah, it's a great read, isn't it? So again, thank you, Ian Dale. I am not sorry for calling you a racist potato in the twenty seventeen election. Had to be done. <laughs> Comrades, thanks. He'll never for... hear this anyway. He'll never listen to this, no. Comrades, thank you for listening to Real Politic. It's been good fun. Yes, this Real Politic I hope you've enjoyed it. What mental image shall we leave them with before we depart? Uh something about gapes. What is it? Gapes no. pour- <laughs> pouring no. milk down Gapes' is no. gaping dickhole. Good night. <laughs> Good night. I got a thought that would be nice. I'd like to cross your head tight in my vice. Nick Cohen and your gropey hands, the new European, John Harris at the Guardian, Hugo Rifkin at the Times. What you pissed off because your dad gets more pussy than you? Fuck you! Suck my fucking dick! You be ripping off the fucking kids while they be paying their hard earned money to read about Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party. It's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing.